What's up, y'all? It's Michelle. Hey, it's Brie, and you're listening to the True Rules Podcast. A podcast for the not-so-perfect woman and mom. Final episode of first season. We made it. We knew we, we had an idea. We literally just jotted it down, and we made it through every single week. We didn't miss a week except Election Tuesday, which we knew we wouldn't record because that was more important. Yeah. It definitely even was. through having kids. <laughs> yeah, we're recording at midnight right now, so just just so everybody knows, <laughs> <laughs> we make it work by any means. Because our kids dictate our lives right now. So if they're awake or if they're crying, I mean, y'all have heard law in the background while we're recording. Sid has been crying. <laughs> I have to feed him. He'll be crying. The dads are unavailable. I mean, the list goes on, but we still made it happen. So I'm proud of us. Me too. Because we usually yeah. have ideas that never follow through. So this Yeah, that's true. That means this is about to be really, really good because when I tell you that Michelle and I have had some of the best ideas, some of the most incredible ideas that we could have been rich already, and we just sit on them. So for us to actually follow through was like a really big deal for us, not only to just start it, but to actually commit and to have a strategy going into season two Mm -hmm. and living in different cities. I know. And having children. This is the first time we've lived in different cities. I know. Oh my God. (laughs) This is weird. Oh my God. Since I met you. Yeah. 2007. Yeah, bitch, we lived together our whole life. I know. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my gosh, I haven't even thought about that. That's like insane. So what are we talking about today? Um, I was thinking we could do this episode a little bit differently. Since it's the last one of the season, I wanted us to... I mean, when we first started the podcast, we both like put up questionnaires of what people wanted to hear about for season one. And I just want to make sure we touch on everything that they requested. So I was just going to like read the question and we could just do like a quick answer Mm -hmm. to make sure season one is wrapped up with all the things they wanted and going into season two. If they request the same things, I'm going to just direct them here because sometimes I feel like they're not listening. (laughs) Because they definitely ask the same questions. Y'all, y'all, I know. y'all ask the same questions over and over. Sometimes I feel like you guys are not listening to, like, they're like, what's your birthing story? And I'm like, we each have a full episode committed to our birthing stories. Um, all right. So I'm just going to read it through. And then if we answered it, we'll just be like, all right, we did that. If we didn't, we'll quickly talk about it. And then I think we should end on a positive note for 2020. Like this year has been crazy, but, um, it's in, hold on. This year has been crazy, but I feel like we've experienced really great things. Both of us. I mean, even if it's nothing else than our children. So that's how I think we should wrap up. All right. All right. So, Question number one. 
I want to know how delivery goes if that's not too personal, hoping for a safe delivery. I'm assuming that was a directed to you or was it directed to me? The, the, the question that we asked our audience was just, what do y'all want us to talk about? So all of the questions are directed at the both of us. Um, and this was like literally at the beginning before the podcast actually launched. So them wanting to know about our delivery was cool. Obviously, like I mentioned, we each have episodes that go into very, a lot, a lot of detail about (laughs) both of our birthing, laboring and delivery experiences. So that one, I think, check, check. Yeah. Which were very different. So if you're interested in knowing about that, you should definitely listen to, I think it was episode two and three. Yeah. Michelle's is a little bit more intense, intense. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good word. That's a good word. And mine was a little bit more relaxed. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> that's, that's a total, good way to... Total opposites. Total opposites. But both of us brought babies into the world. And that's the cool thing that we want to do with this podcast. It's like it's mad different angles, all the different ways. But guess what? We all got to the same goal. So... And both of our children are healthy, which is number one. So, And both of us are healthy, which was yeah. number two. So. Yeah. All right. This was a good one, actually. What do men need to understand about the pregnancy process? Mm. Take it away, <laughs> sister. <laughs> oh, how do, what can I say? Um, I feel like men need to understand that women are going through a very, very physical and mental change. And it's just a lot going on in our brains, like from conception all the way up to like postpartum. It's it's just a lot happening with our bodies. And I feel like men are like, they kind of view pregnancy as like, oh, this is what you're supposed to be doing kind of feeling. Yeah, it might sure. not be like those exact feelings, but it's kind of on, you know, the spectrum of that. And that's definitely not the case. Almost as if the entire experience is kind of like minimized because it's something that we do so easily. If that makes sense. It's like, um, just because they see women do it every day and, you know, obviously they have a mom who probably makes things look easy or their friends may look easy or they look at Instagram and everyone makes it look easy. Um, I think sometimes it can discredit, how intense the process is from the moment you see the positive sick to the delivery to coming home and all that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, But I also feel like another thing that men need to understand about pregnancy is that they, we want them to be involved, or at least from my perspective, I needed that support. Like, um, there were times when I remember the beginning of my pregnancy, especially when I was really sick and, um, Zach would be like on zoom calls with his friends. Cause it was in the beginning when COVID first hit and he would be like, 
on Zoom calls with his friends because it's like nothing he could really do. But I still felt so pissed off with him because I felt like I wanted more. I wanted him to try to do something. It was like I knew that he couldn't do anything. He knew he couldn't do anything. But it was just like, bro, you put me in this position. So <laughs> sometimes, sometimes I feel like they have to like going back to what Michelle said. It's like just think of it holistically as like. And obviously he got better as I, as I learned to be more expressive about how I was feeling because that's the other side of it. They do not know, like they will never be pregnant. They'll never understand anything about process. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I I feel for me, I think for like, from, from my personal experience of this whole thing, um, like men also need to understand the delivery part, like actually being in the room and being present and understand the fears that women go through when you're about to give birth to a child. Like those fears are again, intense. (laughs) Yeah. And real. Yeah. And the anxiety is real. Yeah. I think it kind of goes back to that idea of like one men not minimizing our feelings. Cause I know sometimes like even in our relationship that could be like, Oh, you being so dramatic or like, why are you being so extra? And it's like, some of the things that we're going through are not dramatic or extra. It's truly our experience. And it's like, I feel scared mm-hmm. and, and you know, like they can't explain it. The most we can, the, all we have is words. So if my words don't impact you enough for you to try to understand that I don't know what else to do because I can't get you pregnant. I can't, you know, like, you know, you I can't help you feel this. So it's just kind of like communication, I guess, is the. Yeah. It reminds me of when we were dating mm-hmm. and we would get so annoyed because people would keep asking us, like, when are you going to get married? When are you going to get married? When are you going to get married? And I used to say that to Zach and he like could not relate to how frustrated it made me because one, I feel like people don't really ask men that they always ask the woman as if we're going to ask as, as if we're going to propose, you know, <laughs> like I don't fucking know when we're going to get married when he asks me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, but also it just affected my emotions differently, you know, and all yeah. that was communication to try to explain it to him. Like, this is, I don't like this. Same thing when people ask when you're going to have a baby, same thing mm-hmm. when people ask, when are you due? Or like whatever the prying is, it's like, they don't experience it as intensely. Yeah, I agree. Um, so yeah, that's what I think they need to learn. They need to know that just because we make this shit look easy, which we do with everything in life doesn't mean it is. So, and even if you don't make it look easy, it's, the shit is hard. Right. Point blank period. Like, (laughs) even if we make it look hard, it is hard. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, Okay. That was a good one. And we're definitely going to have our husbands come on because I know a lot of times we share everything from our perspective. And sometimes it's good to just hear their thoughts or their, you know, perspectives and ideas about their approach. So I feel like we both have very good communication with our our partners, but I feel like having them on there, there might be some additional things that I, I don't know that might come out that 
I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure, like, one, when they're both on there to, like, speak together. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see where they agree and disagree with their approaches. Like, just like how we agree and disagree with some of our approaches. And then, two, I feel like I, well, at least for me, I haven't sat down with Zach and gone through, like, he's not the kind of person that will, like, recount month by month. What were your emotions? How are you feeling on the other side? Like, we don't do that. That's not realistic with anybody. <laughs> some people, I, you know. Maybe, well, you never know. Some people may <laughs> Let me that. not say that. <laughs> I'm just saying we have not done, like, a postmortem of, like, pregnancy and labor and delivery. So maybe this will be the time that he will actually sit with like, Oh shit, we did just do a bunch of stuff. Cause I feel like we just keep going and yeah. like, same. Yeah. Um, okay. The next question, maintaining slash enforcing boundaries while expecting. Hmm. That's a good one. So I'm, I'm assuming they mean maintaining boundaries with, not your spouse, but like others around you. Yeah. I think they mean just like with everyone and like, Hmm. I I mean, honestly for, well, I I guess for us, it was kind of different this time around, like this time around because when we were in quarantine, Mm -hmm. so we, we're not like seeing people all day, every day, but, um, I mean, for me, I didn't really have, too many people prying into my business at that point. Um, that's a I hard think question. our, I think the boundaries kind of came for us through like unsolicited advice, which we talked about and trying to make people understand that like the way that they handle something or did something doesn't necessarily mean that's the way that we want to approach it or that's the way that we want to do it for our children. And so I think maintaining and enforcing boundaries in that way was different. And our approach was really, well, my approach was to be direct. Like that's something that I have mentioned on the podcast that I am actively intentionally saying what I mean and meaning what I say and not like caring because I've spent 31 years always putting myself in the other person's shoes and then trying to backtrack of like how I should act based on what I think they are going to feel. And just like, I'm over that shit. So now it's just like, this is how I feel. And the way people receive it, they can either communicate that or we got to move on, but I'm not going to try to think and accommodate all sides. Like I used to. And I mean, yeah. I told you this cause like it's yeah. tiring. I mean, for me, I think that question was hard because I feel like I'm still in a place where I am putting myself in other people's shoes and I'm just letting them say whatever because I don't want to offend people. (laughs) I could be very direct and I could come across, you know, I guess not how people want to be spoken to. But so I kind of like fall back in that perspective of not trying to hurt people's feelings. But some days, like, I just, like, hold my emotions in. But I know yeah. it's gonna, it's going to backfire one of these days. And that's exactly why, I mean, we've talked about this offline, but that's exactly why I started to, like, consciously make the choice. Because Michelle and I discussed how we both 
it's a disservice to the both of us where we walk around and we're both like very emotional or we're sad or we're angry or we're whatever the feeling is. Um, but we're that feeling on behalf of other people because we don't want to offend them or we don't want to, um, say something to hurt their feelings or we don't want to be mean or whatever, whatever it is that we don't want to be, but everyone else doesn't mind doing it to us. No one cares about offending us or making us sad or making us unhappy or like they still live the life that they want to live. And then we suffer through it because we think that we're being quote unquote, the nice person. So for me, I have decided I can still be nice. I can still be fair, but I have to be true to myself. You know, like I have to start to walk in my reality and my feelings and my emotions. And it doesn't mean like being direct doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to be a bitch or I'm going to curse you out or I'm going to, you know, like you said, offend you. But it does mean I'm going to say what I say and it's going to be what I said. And that, that is that. And like, obviously if it's my husband or, you know, people that I care about, there's room for discussion. It doesn't mean like my word is the law, but it does mean, um, you're going to at least know my feelings. Mm -hmm. I'm not gonna like hold it. Cause that shit is driving. Yo, how crazy (laughs) that drives us. Yo, y'all don't even know. Yeah. It just started to not be worth it. And also it's just like me realizing like we literally get one life and I don't want to look back on, on mine saying I made so many decisions and choices for other people. Like I want to look back on my life and be like, I lived at least the majority of it in the way that made me feel satisfied with the way that I die. You know, Mm -hmm. like that's, that's, Honestly, that really is what got me into that mode. Because I'm just like, we're all going to die. Unfortunately, I'm sorry that, that this is going left. But <laughs> but it's true. It's like, we got to start living in a way that's kind and beautiful. And obviously, all those things for other people. I still have the biggest heart full of love for everyone. But I also have to be fair to myself. And that's... Big that was just a part of growing up, I think, and like yeah. stepping into. So hopefully for twenty twenty one for myself, I can live in that mindset because this should be stressful trying to make please please people. Yeah, and I try to remind her. Yeah, because <laughs> I know that it's also frustrating when I'm like, "Girl, fuck some people," but I, you know, like I understand the position, so it's just like we're going to get you there because we have to like you have a daughter she has to learn it and and I don't want them like I don't want Law and Sid to learn these things at 32 I want Sydney to tell me Auntie Brie actually I don't want to do that and I you know like I want Law to feel empowered to say like mom no Mm -hmm. because I want them to live lives like I said that they can look back and be proud of I don't want them to always be thinking I'm going to hurt, you know, this one's feelings, this one's feelings. Obviously there's a time for sacrifice, but, but there's also a time for truth. So. Thanks. Um, next question. People who have trouble getting pregnant and how it isn't spoken about much. 
Um, so we talked about that in, I believe, the second episode. So I kind of talked about how it was kind of, it was very difficult for me to get pregnant. Um, what was the question? <laughs> Just like people have trouble getting pregnant and it's like taboo. Not many people talk about it. Yeah, I feel like the reason why it's taboo is because people feel ashamed. At least that's what I felt like. It's like you you see everybody else doing it and it's so easy for them. And then when you are trying, it's, it's, it's very disheartening and, um, yeah. Yeah. So if you want more on that episode two, um, we're both in agreement. It's something that people don't discuss a lot, but, um, I think it's, it's like Michelle just said, um, it's disheartening, but also it's something that's like such a private thing. And like, we talk about that in episode two where she like dealt with it with herself more than anyone else. Yeah. I feel like it's, it's definitely an experience where you have to kind of sit with yourself and your thoughts. Um, at least for me that that's how I felt like I didn't, I didn't really want advice or, um, or people telling me like, Oh, it's going to be okay. Cause those words really didn't matter in the, in the moment. And it didn't really help me. Um, I just had to push to it on my own mentally. And I'm always trying to think of how she can use it to empower other women. Like that's one that her story is one that like, I, at least inspires me, but I also know that it's not going to be okay for everyone. So that is another reason I think that topic can get dicey because, um, yes, women do have difficulty getting pregnant, but sometimes the solutions are just, you know, it's not as easy as just saying everything's going to be okay. It's, it's harder than that. And that is why I think sometimes people shy away from it because it's like, how do you tell someone like, this may, this may really not happen. Yeah. And that's, and for some women, it doesn't happen, which is even worse. It's like, yes, my story turned out good because, you know, I finally had a baby, but there are women who don't have, who don't have the opportunity to have kids at all. And we want to be mindful of that. So it's like, I think the conversation around, Fertility is one that is definitely an important conversation and going into season two, we're going to explore that a little bit more. Um, Fertility, especially with black women, but oh, a little teaser. But um, I think that conversation has to be had in a thoughtful way. Mm -hmm. Because even, yeah, it's just. But what I can say is that when we released that episode, I feel like there were a lot of girls like our age who definitely mm-hmm. hit my DMs and were like, yo, I've, you know, I've experienced the same thing. And I'm, I'm just really happy that you spoke about it. Cause it helped me to know that other, that, you know, there are other people going through it as well. So that was, I think that's that was the nice. main thing that, yeah, I used to always tell you, cause I'm like, it's so many women go, I think that's the one thing every woman going through it feels like they're the only woman going through it. But in reality, it could be the girl sitting next to you. It could be the girl that you're, t- it could be your best friend, you know, like women, that's one thing about us. We could go through some real shit and even the people closest to us never know. 
So sometimes, while that's a really difficult conversation to have, sometimes it's nice to just be reminded that like, I'm not alone or you're not alone. Yeah. And that, that in itself can be helpful sometimes. Obviously that's not the, you know, cure, but. Yep. All right. Next question. I need the real deal on pregnancy and not the fantasy people portray. (laughs) What to expect? (laughs) Um, I mean, from a, you know, from the early stages of being pregnant, obviously they're the common, like, you know, morning sickness. And, um, I think you would be better at answering that question. Cause you, I had a pretty smooth pregnancy. My delivery was another story. Um, yeah. so maybe you can just chat about your pregnancy, I guess. I mean, I think even for you having a smooth pregnancy, I don't know. We're like literally just reading these questions. So I'm interpreting it how I'm reading it. But I think when they say not the fantasy people portray, like on social media, even women who are pregnant, they're still in like six inch heels every day or they're, you know, at the gym, they're like out there. Front. Like they make it look like nothing in their life has changed. And I think that's more the fantasy versus it just being a smooth pregnancy. Like you had a smooth pregnancy, but you were still getting swollen ankles. You were still like tired, you know, like, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. But social media makes it look like nothing changes. Yeah. And I definitely would love to have one of those social media moms on to let, let let us know what their secret is because a lot of y'all make this shit look real easy to just put on a full face to just be out and about and yeah i don't know i i don't have that and i wish i did i think it's amazing but i want to know how you do it yeah and i think that's kind of why we started rules because we didn't feel like we always went we're always energized to wear six inch heels or to put on a full face or to even just have a conversation like obviously there are days where okay yes we got dressed up it's not to say every day is just like torture but the reality of pregnancy is like you're tired as fuck and your body is doing things that it's never done before and your emotions and your hormones are all up all out of whack and all over the place And even if you're managing them and like you're trying to look like everything's fine, there's still something, at least for me, that was going on in my brain that was like, yo, I'm pregnant. Mm -hmm. Like, wow. Even till this day, it's like, shit. Yeah. I I did us have a kid. Right. So it's like that laid on top of everything. So I like tried my best to like keep looking cute and like do my hair sometimes. And like I did wear heels a few times and like get dressed. But the real deal about pregnancy is that it takes a toll on your body. It takes a toll on your mind and it doesn't have to be in a bad way. It just is a different way. You know, like I hate, it doesn't mean like, Oh my God, it's the worst thing. Cause I had a good experience after the first trimester. Um, but it's, you're, you're a different person. Like I think pregnancy welcomes a completely new version of you. Mm-hmm. That's a good way to put it. Um, next question. I want to know if y'all had a pregnancy pack. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, we did not. 
like we talked about this in one of the episodes. I think it was the first episode. Like we joked yeah. around and said, of course, we're best friends. We want to have kids around the same time. Um, but it was literally just God. Yeah, it was. Put us in this position because, yeah. like I said, like my husband and I have been trying for a while. It's it's not like we woke up and said, "Oh shit, Bree and Bree and Zach just got married. Let's let's all just have kids." At no. First of all, that however, was- <laughs> we did joke about it all the time, and I did keep telling her once I got married, she was going to get pregnant. I'm like, God is making you just wait for me. I just <laughs> keep saying that to her, obviously jokingly, because I knew what she was going through and blah blah blah. But it looks like God heard us. Yeah. So our kids are meant to support each other. We were meant to support each other. I think that was really it. Like no one, I mean, we have other friends, but I feel like we needed to go through this journey together. Even though we approach it differently, we have different kids, different feelings, different lives. So much of who we are is the same. And I think it'll help us to grow together and support each other. Yep. This is a good one that we never touched on. Um, but go to episode one if you haven't. Um, okay. Is a push present necessary? <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. I don't think like a materialistic push present is necessary. However, I feel like men need to overcompensate. Um, whether that be like, you know, being extra nice or um, just being a little bit more accommodating than they usually would. Once your wife or once your partner gives birth, because like we said, it's an ex- it's it's a life changing experience um, that not everybody gets to experience. So, yeah, I'm not saying you got to go out and buy a roly. However, um, I think a, a f- emotional support, overextending your emotional support, is key, and that that in itself is a gift. Because a lot of men um, might feel detached or they might not be as close to the pregnancy um, as you would like them to be. But having your your guy like be fully all in and, um, you know, just there emotionally is is key. That's true. That was that like for me, Zach was super, super, super um, supportive in the days that we got home. Even when I had a bad attitude and I didn't even want him being positive around me because I was, it was my <laughs> own shit. Like he was really, really, really thoughtful about checking in on me and asking me like how I felt. But I will say I didn't get in a, a um, material. Well, I mean, I didn't get a quote unquote push gift. Like I, Zach didn't come to me like, this is your gift for giving birth to my son. Mm-hmm. And on the other side of it, I'm okay with it, but I do understand how push gifts came about. Cause I know that there's so much controversy around them. Like, why would you get a gift? Blah, blah, blah. I think it is just like, if gifts are your love language or even if they're not, um, what you, what you go through to bring that life into the world (laughs) seems like you deserve a gift. (laughs) Like it seems like I deserve a stack. (laughs) <laughs> a, a salary like something because it's like I Are can we, understand how that came about yeah and let's be real like what girl doesn't like getting gifts <laughs> true so 
Is it necessary? I don't think a material, to Michelle's point, I don't think a material present is necessary. I do think something is necessary to let your woman know that you see her, that you understand what she's gone through. And even, even if you don't understand it in the sense of like, you can feel it and completely relate, you understand that she's valuable in a new way to you Mm -hmm. because she just literally gave the most giving delivering a child is truly giving the most of yourself that you will ever give. Like there's nothing. I don't even know what else is close to that. Like that shit is again, intense. (laughs) It's the most sacrificial thing you can do. Yeah. Like it changes your whole your organs literally shift to accommodate a growing, you grow a human being. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I, I, you, you can't get mad at a girl that gets a Rolex for that. No, I'm or, not saying no, definitely not. No, I'm not us. I'm just saying, like, you know, the controversy in the yeah. world, the people will be like, that money could have gone towards the college fund. Yeah, but bitch, the college fund is in 18 years. So we got 18 years to recoup. <laughs> Right now, I need this, whatever it is. So kudos. Yeah. And, and also, your 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 partner knows your partner should know you and what you yeah. like. So yeah. if you like if you like expensive gifts, then your guy should know that. Yeah. Yeah. Like for me, I love expensive gifts, but. I also love when our finances are in order. So, (laughs) and I love that more. So like when we have those conversations and I'm like, well, it's COVID and I don't know what's going to happen with my business. And I don't know, like, that's kind of where I think Zach is not that much. He's, he lives as positive as I am. I still like to be, um, what's the word? Realistic. Mm -hmm. He does not like that because he thinks that like, nothing great can come out of reality it's a quote that he says whatever but um so for me a push gift will look like our bank account staying full (laughs) (laughs) and me not like things like that give me anxiety you know it's Mm -hmm. like okay i'm carrying this beautiful three thousand dollar purse but that's three thousand dollars less in our account and if we need to extend the lease for spike like i'm i'm thinking about all this other shit that's like true business Mm -hmm. um so that's my answer for that. Um, next question, or you got more to say? No, um, next question. Does sex life change drastically while pregnant? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. A uh, bitch is yeah. tired, even more tired than before. Like, yes, Lord. <laughs> not to mention, it, it's it's just awkward. Some like that shit was awkward for son. me. Like you read all these things online where it says like your sex drive increases, and no, no for me that for did me. not happen. <clears throat> not for me. Me either. Yep. So I. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would love to hear an experience from somebody else who you know who was just a rabbit while they were pregnant but like for me well one first trimester that was a definite hell fucking no because all <laughs> i did was throw up all day long like 
I felt like just a slug, a sloth. Ugh. <laughs> Even just thinking about it right now. <laughs> if he would have been trying to have sex with me, I really probably would have stabbed him. Because it's like, are you kidding me? You're trying to talk about sex when I can't even smell Dove soap without throwing up. Like, get out of my face. Um, and then when I did start to, like, get out of that, I felt so, un- like, I did not feel sexy Yeah. with my belly. Like, I felt sexy. I felt cute looking at my body and, like, oh, my body's changing. But when women are like, oh, I felt so empowered and sexy, nah, I didn't get that emotion. I was like, this is awkward as fuck. Is he going to stick my baby? My baby? <laughs> like, the baby's moving. You trying to move. Like, we're trying to move. Like, Yeah, it's just very awkward. I was, that was awkward for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and my kid was mad. I, <clears throat> I used to keep telling Michelle, like, my kid doesn't just lay still. So I'm reminded while I'm trying to have sex, like, that the baby's like, hey, <laughs> there's somebody in my stuff right now watching. <laughs> I'm here with y'all too. Like, <laughs> no, oh my gosh, that was not. Nah. I didn't love it. Yeah, same. Um, but they do say that it helps to induce labor, and mm. I ate dates for that. So, any what? <laughs> I ate dates. dates for that. <laughs> I walked. I walked through the and mall. And I walked through Costco. That helped. Um, all right. So, yeah, that's that on that. But, I mean, that's our experience. Okay. Anxiety around being pregnant during a pandemic. Um, that was an episode, too. Yeah. I feel like for me, like, this pregnant, like, pregnancy was pretty easy like I liked staying indoors I'm a homebody anyway so I liked staying indoors for the most part um I think being pregnant um was easy but currently this shit is hard because now I want to be out I want to you know have my kid around my family and um my husband's family and I can't really do that um I want to take her you know, just walking or to like the park or whatever. One, it's fucking winter in, in New York. And two, there's a fucking pandemic going on. So that's not happening. So I think yeah. us just, you know, being in the house all day long and staring at the walls, it's, it drives you crazy with it, with a child that you have to take care of. Like it's hard. Yes. Yeah. I think having the baby now in the pandemic is much harder than being pregnant in the pandemic because and to our pregnancies or like through the summer. So like I would still come to Michelle's house occasionally. We could sit outside in the backyard, have a barbecue, like do little things to kind of normalize the quarantine. Right now it's just freezing and my kid can't. The hardest part for me is like I am so close with my family and my kid hasn't met any of them in person outside of my mom and my husband's mom. And that just breaks my heart because I see him changing so much every day and like, I want them to experience it. I I love my grandma being able to like hold him and play with him. And like, we have so many cousins and aunts and uncles and stuff. And like, I don't really miss, I don't need to go to a concert or something, but I do miss being able to like hop on a flight, see my family without being stressed that like me or him or my husband are going to get this terrible um, 
disease. So yeah, yeah. I think I think having a baby is worse than being pregnant right now. Yeah. Um, the lack of representation of pregnant black women on social media. Honestly, I don't really see that. Like I see a lot more pregnant black um, moms on social media. Um, I don't really see the lack of representation. Um, do you? <clears throat> I think um, there's definitely a lot of black women if you look for them. I mean, we are black women. We follow only black women. So we probably are just bombarded with imagery of black women. But I do think that there needs to be different types of black women. I feel like the motherhood blogger falls into a very specific archetype. Um, and they post pictures a certain way. They dress a certain way. They conduct themselves a certain way. And I think we wanted to kind of like change that a little bit. So we're not always like perfect. We, you don't always have to look, you know, like flawless. You don't only have to post about your kids. Sometimes it's okay that you want to just think about yourself or think about your husband or think about macaroni and cheese. It's like, I think the way that motherhood is portrayed through black women, I think that could be much more diversified. If mm-hmm. when I'm thinking about representation, like on my personal page, when I think about how I want to show up as a mom, um, I still like to joke and be funny and like have stupid conversations about housewives. Like I'm still doing that too. My life didn't just turn into like the law show where all I do is like sit in his face. I do that a lot too, but you know what I mean? It's like, you're still keeping a sense of you. Yeah. And I think that that's important, Mm -hmm. especially as a new mom, like OG moms, they're whatever their kids are in high school. They don't care. But like new moms, (laughs) I feel like um, a lot of times feel the pressures of like their entire world needs to revolve around the kid or they're not a good mom. And I just Mm -hmm. don't subscribe to that. Yeah. Okay. Um, Postpartum and how you're preparing. So postpartum, um, it's not easy. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it's not easy for me. Like, the first couple of weeks I was telling everybody like, Oh my gosh, she's such a calm baby. She's so relaxed. (laughs) And now she has found her lungs. (laughs) She has found her voice and it's just nonstop crying all the time. So postpartum for me is extremely hard, especially my husband's back at work. Um, So it's just me and her. She's definitely gotten a lot better, but dealing with a crying newborn is rough, rough, but your rough. postpartum healing was good. Yes. Postpartum healing was fine. Um, honestly, the next day after I gave birth, I felt like I could run a marathon. Like I didn't have any, <laughs> I didn't use anything from my motherfucking, um, hospital bag. I literally gave all my shit to Brie, which she probably didn't even use. Nope. <laughs> we should do a giveaway because yeah. we have so much stuff. Um, actually, yeah, let's do that. Yeah. Postpartum for me, I had terrible hemorrhoids. I mean, there again, 
this is in our episodes, so I'll just give the top line, but my healing process was harder. My delivery was great, but my healing was difficult. I had hemorrhoids, which were like painful as hell for a good, I don't know, maybe two or three weeks. I still have carpal tunnel, which now people are telling me might be tendinitis. Um, in a way that like I dead ass can't even put a scrunchie around my hair bun. Like my husband did my bun. Um, it's doing pretty good. <laughs> well, like, I have formed the bun. Um, <laughs> and then, so postpartum, like my physical postpartum, my feet were swollen. Like I don't know who I am, especially cause I was in such good shape before I got pregnant. So I did not expect this. Like, I was in shape. I wasn't kind of in shape. I wasn't like, I was in shape teaching classes and really on it. So I did not expect um, my body to go through so many different changes, which tells you that like you, it's unpredictable. Even people are like, just be healthy and blah, blah, blah. It's like, you do not know what's going to happen to your body. Which is Um, crazy. Cause like, I feel like I I was in shape, but not in shape. So like I wasn't working out every day. I wasn't right. doing all that kind of stuff. I was literally eating junk food, like right. having a Burger King Whopper. Right. <laughs> I do feel like I fucked up by not working out throughout my pregnancy. That and I will not do that again moving forward. The rest of my pregnancies, I will force myself. This one, I just, I don't, I think I was mentally exhausted with COVID and my business and pregnancy and moving to Philadelphia. And like, I just think my, my body couldn't handle another thing. Um, but God willing, in my future pregnancies, it will be less chaotic. So I could, that's one commitment that I want to make. Like, I feel like I wish I would have just been a little bit more diligent about my fitness. Um, okay, next question. Normalizing Black women and Black babies experiencing luxury and spoiled, quote unquote, should not be a negative thing. I agree 100%. Like, I like the finer things in life. So I feel like my child should also have the finer things in life. And I'm going to work um, hard. My husband's going to work hard to make sure we have nice things. Um, like, I don't, I don't see why black people can't have nice shit. I mean, I, is that even still a thing? Like, like, black people have <laughs> like I don't... Yeah. I... Again, I don't know if it's just the people I follow or what, but everyone that I see has nice shit. They have nice shit. Even people who might not have the most money, like black people. First of all, black people are the number one consumers. So whether from the richest to the poorest, we're going to buy some nice shit. (laughs) So I don't know who, (laughs) I don't know. Like when we say normalizing it to me, it's like we set all the trends. It's normal for a black baby to wear Gucci. Mm -hmm. That's normal. I mean, people might call it whatever they want, but it's that's our culture. Like we like fly shit. That's expected to be expected. I expect black people, white people, whatever. Like, do with your whatever is gonna make you happy for your kid. Am I gonna be spending something crazy on this little fatty <laughs> when he can't even fit this shit in one week? Probably not. But if my son steps out with some designer, that's none of your business because guess who paid for it? So I think, you know, like, yeah, that should be normal. Normalize minding your business and normalize, like, 
letting people do for their kids what what the fuck they want to do yeah like that's to me that's more the conversation i think yeah black (laughs) women love luxury i love it girl (laughs) and like i don't i mean i know i keep seeing that post and i'm just like what does this mean like black women normalize luxury in your lives like black women love luxurious things like even when we shouldn't be buying it, living above our means, we still gonna figure it out to get to put the two and the two together. That's what we do. Sit. That's what I love about being black. <laughs> like, I'm gonna figure this out, and I'm preach, like <laughs> preach <laughs> like that. Yeah, I mean, I think we try to keep creating these narratives because they probably did exist at a point, but mm-hmm. I'm not gonna subscribe that we need to tell black women to normalize luxury. The black women know. Yeah. Y'all don't see them all up in Tulum living their best <laughs> life even in a pandemic. Even in a pandemic. Sis, everybody black got a Birkin. <laughs> it's Birkin, Birkin season. Like, come on. Okay. Um, <laughs> tips for selecting the right doctor to deliver your baby. Um, I think tips for selecting the right doctor includes you just got to have a feeling like I went through several doctors and I just did not feel comfortable around them until I met my last doctor who was a referral from a family member. Um, and it just felt right. Like you have your gut feeling like he, he was smart. He gave me all the right he told me everything I wanted to hear, but he was direct and he, he didn't like sugarcoat it, but he had great bedside manner, which I appreciate. And bedside manner for me is like, number one, you never want to feel like, like a piece of shit in a doctor's office. Yeah. I think also referrals are great. My doctor was referred to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and like everything Michelle said, when I spoke to her, I, I do think that it's important though, like, to take some responsibility and knowing like what are your questions um yeah of course I shared a lot about that in like one of the earlier episodes where my doctor I didn't know some of the questions and maybe this is something that we can share because she taught me a lot honestly and that's what made me feel comfortable with her is like after speaking to her I felt smarter and better educated about things that I, I, I don't know if I should have known them or what but like she went into details about things that I did not know and made it her business for me to know them. So like the delivering hospital, how those works with like being on call versus um, the rotating schedule and like um, the different types of medication. Like she kind of walked me through a lot of that. So I appreciated that. And that's what made me say. She felt like my aunt. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I felt that feeling. Yeah, I was very comfortable with my doctor. Like he gave me his cell phone number so I could text him. Me and Mark could text him. We can call him whenever. Like it was like a 24 hour doctor that I had. Um, and that felt really good. 